Hi guys, welcome to She's Frank podcast. My name is Renee Dukakis and I have conversations with amazing women and I'm recording them especially for you. My hope is that we can make a change by promoting open conversations about the things that are truly important. Together, let's be women who walk boldly, act graciously and speak frankly. I really believe that justice is like that closing the gap between what we see on earth and what is actually true in heaven. So where are the injustices in our world? Where are there things that shouldn't be? Where are there, where's there pain where God doesn't want there to be pain? And the pursuit of justice is us being servants to God and going after those things and saying, God's kingdom says this, God's yeah. kingdom says that, and that's what we've got to enforce here on earth. guys i am so excited that you get to listen to elise speak she was so kind as she let me ask all of my questions i truly feel like i am only just starting to learn about social justice we talk about some people um not really thinking it's for them rather than realizing it is for everyone and i need to be putting my hand up right now because that was so me um but i just am so thankful that she really invested time um, to teach me and hopefully you can learn something as well. I feel like I honestly need to give her a shout out though because she is one of, not the main reason, but she's a big reason that I'm here doing what I'm doing today, speaking to you guys. It started out as a joke between me and a friend that we were going to start a podcast and, you know, that was clearly kind of just a joke. So I started talking to Dylan and said, do you know, I actually think that this is something I might want to do. And I thought that was just between me and him, but classic stitch up. We were catching up with Elise over the holidays and Dylan just says, oh, Renee's thinking about starting a podcast. I wasn't really at the stage where I was going to be telling people that but at the same time I don't think I ever would have gotten to the stage of telling people that I think it was just going to be a dream that was always in the back of my mind but honestly she was so encouraging and really helped to give me the courage to foster and grow this dream where I could tell other people without feeling like I was going crazy but that is who Elise is she is such an encourager whether it's the individual like me she will be encouraging but part of her role is to encourage mass amount of people to pursue change through pursuing justice so that's what she talks about she tells us that it's really not as big and as scary as it seems even though changing the world seems pretty scary to me she just breaks it down and is so empowering not only that but she tells us how it all started how she just starts wanting to help people and she thinks she has it all worked out at the age of 19 like all of us at 19 but the holy spirit comes in and just changes everything enjoy listening guys Elise, welcome to the podcast thank you thank you for having me yeah to start us off can you Mm -hmm. um tell everyone who you are just a little bit of your life story (laughs) Just like just, just a little bit of my life yeah, story. Just like compound, you know, mm-hmm. twenty years into two Great. minutes if you can. <laughs> no. <laughs> don't know if I can get it down to two minutes, right. but let's see if okay. I can. Yeah, don't take twenty years and you'll be doing a good job. Okay, yeah. good. All right. Well, um, as you said, my name is Elise. Um, I am currently working in the not for profit space. Mm-hmm. Um, I 
got here kind of not the normal way. And I think that the longer I've spent in this space, that's more and more the common story where somebody that you've been going about your life, pursuing business, pursuing whatever, and then God just taps on your heart and Mm. all of a sudden you find yourself in this space of international development. And I love it. Mm. And do you want me to start talking about how I got here? Yeah, for sure. Like when when did you first start? When did God first start like knocking on your heart about like non-for-profit and international aid and all that kind of stuff? Like how did that start? As a kid, I, I, for some reason, was just really drawn to this idea of helping people. Mm. And I didn't really know what that looked like and I didn't really know, obviously, as a kid, how to do that. Yeah. And so as I got older and as I became a Christian, I decided that for me that looked like becoming a youth pastor. Mm. So after high school, I went to Bible college and I studied my diploma of Christian ministry. I was actually really lucky enough to work as an assistant pastor for two years awesome. while yeah. I was doing my degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and I totally th- thought that I'd like, I'd hit struck gold. I was yeah. like, I know I'm not. Guys, I am so excited that you get to listen to Elise speak. She was so kind as she let me ask all of my questions. I truly feel like I am only just starting to learn about social justice. We talk about some people um, not really thinking it's for them rather than realizing it is for everyone. And I need to be putting my hand up right now because that was so me. Um, But I... Just am so thankful that she really invested time um, to teach me and hopefully you can learn something as well. I feel like I honestly need to give her a shout out though because she is one of, not the main reason, but she's a big reason that I'm here doing what I'm doing today, speaking to you guys. It started out as a joke between me and a friend that we were going to start a podcast and, you know, that was clearly kind of just a joke. So I started talking to Dylan and said, do you know, I actually think that this is something I might want to do. And I thought that was just between me and him, but classic stitch up. We were catching up with Elise over the holidays and Dylan just says, oh, Renee's thinking about starting a podcast. I wasn't really at the stage where I was going to be telling people that. But at the same time, I don't think I ever would have gotten to the stage of telling people that. I think it was just going to be a dream that was always in the back of my mind. But honestly, she was so encouraging and really helped to give me the courage to foster and grow this dream where I could tell other people without feeling like I was going crazy. But that is who Elise is. She is such an encourager, whether it's the individual like me, she will be encouraging, but part of her role is to encourage mass amount of people to pursue change through pursuing justice. So that's what she talks about. She tells us that it's really not as big and as scary as it seems, even though changing the world seems pretty scary to me. She just breaks it down and is so empowering. Not only that, but she tells us how it all started, how She just starts wanting to help people and she thinks she has it all worked out at the age of 19, like all of us at 19, but the Holy Spirit comes in and just changes everything. Enjoy listening, guys. 19, I know what I'm doing with my life. It's going to be so easy. It's going to be so great. And in 2012... So how old were you then? 19? I was 20. 20, okay, yep. Um, I 
was on a trip to the US and we were going to a conference where we were talking about um, different generations working together, mm-hmm. especially in the church. So um, I was really leaning into this whole youth ministry, kids ministry, yep. young adults ministry yep. thing. And um, I'd started to make plans to go back and do an internship the next year. I was going to pick up my life and I was going to move to America and I was going to become this awesome youth pastor. Because you're 20 and you have your life sorted. (laughs) Exactly. And like at 20, I totally know what I want to do for the rest of my life. And that's helping teenagers. And I don't like teenagers very much these days. (laughs) Like I can't believe I've spent nine years in youth ministry. Like. They're such brats. Anyway, mm. love them. <laughs> they are the next generation. And I, to be yep. completely honest, I have a lot of faith in the next generation mm. of teenagers. I think that they are incredibly resilient and they are passionate and I have a lot of hope for them. So yep. anyway, I went and you I just don't like them very much. I just don't like them very much. I don't like the bratty ones. Yeah. yeah. Which was actually me. I was a oh. very bratty teenager. That's probably why you don't like them because you just are like, Oh, the trauma. It's taken yeah. me back to that place. And exactly. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. So anyway, I'd done that trip and I came back and I had foolishly said to a friend that I was going to go to Indonesia with him on a missions trip. Oh, rookie. Oh, I hear that's how it starts. Such a rookie. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Um, anyway, I went and I remember saying to a friend like three days before I left, I was like, if I go and this is the one missions trip I do and I've like ticked off my list, I am happy like, I'm happy to go about the rest of my life and just, like, it's done, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. now I'm, like, a little bit more qualified mm-hmm. to, like, go and focus yeah. on the stuff that I want to focus yeah. on. Because I'm going to tick it off my list, not exactly. to actually be changed by it. Correct. Like, let's just go. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, anyway, sure enough, I wake up my first morning there and I'm like, everything has to change. Mm. Nothing well, is what I thought it was. Yeah. I am in love with this country. I'm in love, I'm in love with these people. There is so much more to this world than I thought that there was. So you wake up the next morning. So was it just a general feeling? It was like the Holy Spirit just totally wrecked me. Yeah. It was even just that act of getting out of my comfort zone, going to a different country, Mm. just being there. I just felt like there was something different. I think sometimes when you go into that space without any expectations as Mm. well, like I feel like if you had have gone there and been like, I'm going to change the world, I'm going to do this, maybe you wouldn't have had the same effect. But because you were just going to like, yeah, I'm just going. And God's like, surprise. Like, I think sometimes we need to go into things without expectations. Yeah, 100%. And it was funny because I got back and I sat down with my boss and and he was a pastor. So it was really great that I could have that honest conversation with Mm. him. And I was like, I've got to go back. I gotta stop everything and I gotta go back. Mm. He was like, Yeah, okay, but first you're gonna finish your degree, you're gonna finish up all the jobs here that you said you finished. God bless and him. Then you can yeah. go back. So six months later, mm. I was back in Indonesia. Yeah. Back with funny enough, two of the guys that were on that trip with me yeah. and we were like, This can, is it. Can I just pause you for a second? Mm. Was it hard hearing that no no no, but you have to finish all these things? Because I think sometimes mm. we get that like Holy Spirit moment and we're like yeah. but now yeah. it has to happen now and yeah. I think it's so important for us to have those people to be like no 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 yeah like finish what God has yeah. called you to mm-hmm. and it's so beautiful that he's given you the next thing yeah but that is the next thing and it's not the now thing yeah yeah he yeah was sucked to hear mm. but again he's been such an influential pers- person in my life that I had to respect like I respected that mm. and I didn't groan or whatever I just went about it yeah so yeah good Good. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, keep going. You were back in Indo <laughs> with two of the people that went on the trip with yep. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was there for about five months. I was teaching English. Um, I was doing a lot of admin. 
talking to supporters back in Australia and in the States. Um, and then my visa ran up and I had the option of going to Singapore to renew it or going home. And by that stage, I'd run out of money. <laughs> so I was like, probably need to go home <laughs> and work. Yeah. So I came back home and I landed a job in corporate merchandising and I spent the next six years in that sector. Mm. So during that time, I went to Africa. It had always been on my heart, like even as a kid, to go to Africa. I don't know what it was about the continent that made me love it so much. I think it was just the landscape mm. and the people and the things that I'd heard. So I went to Uganda in 2014 and it was a really interesting trip. You know, I went with a group from my mum and dad's church. So it wasn't the same as my first trip where I was traveling with friends. It was, mm. we were going to do a job and we went and we installed a solar farm, um, which was yeah. very tiring work. <laughs> yeah. And so you're like, okay, let me yeah. pause you. Mm. What did you do in Indonesia? This yeah. in Africa, you're doing solar farm. Yep. Yeah. What, what was Indo about? Indo, I was teaching. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I wasn't sure if there was other stuff in with that too, but yeah. It was, it was a bit of teaching. It was a bit of admin. It was a bit of marketing. Like, it was kind of just whatever needed to be done. Mm-hmm. I'd just get yeah. into it and yeah. do it. Yeah, because yeah. you're the 20-year-old that's like, I'll do it all. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sorry, yeah. I keep interrupting you, but I'm just, like, thinking things through and, like, trying to piece it all together. Yeah. So that's great. All good. So yeah, in Africa, we there was one particular day that really, I guess, transformed um, my views and mm-hmm. I guess what I believed and what I believed I was called to. And that particular day, we went out to a fishing village that was on the border of the Congo. And I could remember just driving in, looking out the window, thinking, to, like, I just felt like this overwhelming sense of darkness and mm. just, I don't want to say depression feels like too much of a strong word. But there was just this overwhelming sense of sadness. Yeah, like oppression. Yeah, yeah. And I was started to ask questions. I was like, is there anyone helping these people? Like, Mm. they're so remote. Like, it's a fishing village. That's all they do. Like, you can sense the you can sense the oppression. What what's being done to help these people? And the more questions I asked, the more questions I had because I later found out that there was no one helping these people. Mm. And we were driving back and I was like, it's not enough for me to just drop everything and come back and help these people because the issues that I am seeing are way too complex. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. Like, I need to understand the best way to help these people yeah. and then to do something about mm. it. So I came home and I started studying international development um, and then just due, due to a bunch of different circumstances in my life, I had to put that on pause and I'm thinking about picking that up again next year. But... Um, yeah, now I found myself working in international development mm. from a marketing perspective, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, and that's who I am and where I'm at. Yeah, good job. <laughs> wasn't two years, 20 years, wasn't even two years. Good. Great. You did good. You did good. Um, yes. So really, like, as we've been talking, you, something has just come up and up again. Naturally, like, as soon as I asked you, hey, do you want to do an interview? You were like, yep, let's go. And like, just that theme of justice. Yeah. Um, and like giving those people like the fishermen a step up mm. and helping where you can like what is just like I feel like some people are like there's people that fight for justice and then there's other people and mm. you know they don't necessarily see it as a spectrum kind of thing it's like yeah. you do it or you don't yeah um but what is justice to you because mm. you gave me a really cool definition that I valued so yeah talk to me about it <laughs> Yeah, this is something that I have found I've had to kind of... The definition has kind of changed throughout my life. Mm. And 
I'm in a place now where I really believe that justice is like that closing the gap between what we see on earth mm. and what is actually true in heaven. So where are the injustices in our world? Where are there things that shouldn't be? Where are there, where's there pain where God doesn't want there to be mm. pain? And the pursuit of justice is us being servants to God and going after those things and saying, God's kingdom says this, God's yeah. kingdom says that, and that's what we've got to enforce here on earth. Mm, absolutely. When you said that, that was kind of a game changer even for me because mm. I was like, oh, I pursue justice all the time. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, if it's about bringing heaven to mm. earth and just doing what we can to be a vessel for God, I was yeah. like, I would not have said that I was someone that was super into justice before, mm. but I'm, you know, I really thought about it and I was like, you know, I enjoy talking to the people that don't feel like they have anyone to talk to mm. and just like little, th- like yeah. it can be as simple as that and yeah. it's, that is justice, helping someone not feel alone and not feel alone. Like, that's justice. And I really was so encouraged by that because I think it's this, we put almost justice on a pedestal of like, it's this big thing, it's overwhelming. Yep. And I would love for you to get into some, some statistics about all of that. Mm. Um, and also, <clears throat> excuse me, how it is improving because I think there's that idea of the global justice sphere Mm. and it's like it's too big it's too bad it's too scary and I don't even know how I can help but the reality is like that you were kind of talking to me a little bit about before is that it is improving Mm. and that was such an encouragement to me because um I think justice I tended to think and like this is just a stupid way of thinking about it but um justice for me was thinking about 10% of the people doing all of the work when really it needs to be like 90% of people doing a little bit of the work Mm -hmm. and like corporately all together on in a united front making a change so I don't know can you talk to me a little bit about how there is improvement and it's not as big and scary as we make it out to be yeah yeah really well said (laughs) (laughs) it was a jumble but thanks for hanging in there (laughs) yeah I think it's really important when we're in this space to be celebrating the wins. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of my friends and I who work in this space, like mental health is a huge threat to us. And if you do any amount of research, you look into um, all the work, health and safety in an organisation like this is focused on mental health. Because, For you guys? Yeah. Yep. Mm. So um, in the organisation that I work in, we have a lot of resources available to us to help us with our mental health because... We are pursuing, we are pursuing change, mm. and systematic change takes so long. Yeah, and it's so hard to see progress. Mm. And you can be working with a community, you can be working with a group, and it will feel like you're taking two steps forward, three steps back. Yeah. Well, I get, like the reality yeah. of the situation is, is that you are working towards something that will never be achieved in your lifetime. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And that's not to say that you guys won't make great strides mm. and that important things won't be done, mm. but. I imagine for people that have that other that like end goal kind of people, yeah, it would be really really hard. Yeah, mm. yeah. Anyway, so tell me about some of the some <laughs> of the things that you celebrate yeah. that help your mental health. Yeah, cool. Um, all right. Well, I've got some statistics in front of me. Yeah. So let's go through it. Um, disease and disease prevention and improved health. For example, polio cases have decreased by more than 99% since 1988. Mm. So that speaks hugely to the efforts that we've put into in raising awareness about health issues in developing countries. Mm-hmm. And I guess the infrastructure in governments to help facilitate 
better health care. That being said, there is a long way to go. Mm. (laughs) Um, Reduction in extreme poverty. According to the most recent estimates in 2012, 12.7% of the world's population lived at or below $1.90 a day. That's down from 37% in 1990 and 44% in 1981. Mm. So that is huge. Yeah, that was my favourite one that I read. (laughs) Those people living in extreme poverty... That's that's something huge to celebrate. Mm. And I yeah. think, like, we just need to sit on that for a second because for people that feel like justice is too hard, too big, too scary, mm-hmm. in, when was it, 1980? 1981. It was yeah. 44% of yeah. the world, mm-hmm. and now we're down to 12% of the world. Yep. Um, which is still way too high of a number. Yeah. But, wow. Yeah. Mm, wow. Very cool. It is very cool. And I was reading something the other day. I can't give an exact exact statistic. Oh, story of my life. That's fine. <laughs> um, but a large portion of that has been driven by Christian not-for-profits. That's awesome. And Christian agencies. Mm. So, again, like, we're kind of, we're kind of leaders in this space, mm. um, which is a really exciting thing to be a yeah. part of. And that's so yeah. important to recognise as well because there's – there are so many Christian aides mm. that have gotten it wrong, yeah. that have done the wrong thing, that have stuffed up, that have been imperfect. And I think sometimes we've gotten a really bad rap. Yeah. But yeah. important work has been done and mm. is being done. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. we need to be encouraged by that. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Um, access to water, hygiene and sanitation. 2.6 billion people have gained access to improved drinking water so- sources since 1990. And over 90% of the world's population now has access to safe sources of drinking water. Sanitation has also improved, with 68% of the global population now having access to sanitation facilities such as toilets. That's 2.1 billion people that have gained access to an improved sanitation facility since 1990. Mm. That is pretty crazy. Yeah. Like, I think the population of Australia is like... I'm, gonna, I'm totally going to get this wrong. I'm going to say four, <laughs> five, five billion. Do you really? I don't know. I don't know. I think it might be 4 billion. That's like half of the Australian population now having access to a basic human right. Mm. That's awesome. What was it? Because, sorry, sometimes these statistics can be a bit lengthy. Is that 68% of people still... What was the 68% bit? 68% of the global population now have access to sanitation facilities such as toilets. Yeah. But that that number is still like... Mm. That, that's where it, like, saddens me. Mm. It's, like, 32. <laughs> maths is not on point. 32%, let's just say that. Please no one keep us accountable to our maths. <laughs> or don't. <laughs> I'm not going to improve mm. my math now. Maybe it's downhill from here. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's fine. That's why I have a calculator. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, that's so sad. Yeah. Because you, you kind of you kind of just go I don't know for me because I live in this space I kind of hear that there's an insane amount of people that don't have access to a toilet and you go yeah big whoop it's another mm. thing we need to fix yeah but when you actually think about it a toilet is something we use every day like mm-hmm. that's and yeah for me being like studying nursing and knowing about waste products and mm-hmm. the issues that come when they're not going in the right place or they're not like. If they're not flushing it somewhere, where's it going? Yeah. yeah. Because that's a whole lot of disease and infection mm-hmm. and I don't even know how to word. Like, I I don't have the education to support the issues that that would imply. Mm. 
Mm. Yeah, and it's it's not good. <laughs> no, that's yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know enough, but I know it's not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you got any more statistics for us? The last thing I wanted okay. to point out isn't mm-hmm. a statistic, okay. but overall global funding for development has increased almost everywhere except for Australia. Oh. Yeah. Our aid budget has been decreasing pretty steadily every year for quite a while now. Like for but politics? For, yeah. In, okay. Again, the government, the government allocation to international mm. aid is decreasing. I would be interested to know, I don't mm. know if you know this, I would just be interested to know about individuals giving to aid like because I do feel like there's more awareness so I would hope that the individuals giving has increased Mm. I don't know if you know anything (laughs) about that it's an it's an interesting one because the answer is no okay Um, in a lot of cases it's been decreasing Mm. Um, and there is definitely and I completely can understand and relate to this there is a skepticism about the work that agencies are doing which we touched on before a little bit yeah um, and, like, I've heard absolute horror stories of some organisations that are paying fundraisers 50% commission on fundraising campaigns. I'm like, you, you, as, as an individual, I don't want to be giving to that organisation because I know that. And more and more of these stories are emerging and it makes it so much harder to give to an organisation because are they actually doing what they say they do with the money? Mm, yeah. And I'm beyond proud to be working for an organisation that definitely does what it's called to do with the money. Um, but yeah, I can understand why there has been a decrease Mm. and let's hope and pray that there is an increase. Yeah. I think it's overwhelming as well because people know that some people aren't doing the right things, Mm. but then it's like, well, how, like, it's kind of chucking the baby out with the bathwater. Like, I don't know which ones are the good ones. I don't know which ones are the bad ones. So, um, I could do the research but then I get really, really confused. So I just won't do anything. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people are in that camp because, oh my goodness, Mm. like, I don't, yeah, I just, the more I learn about this, the more I know that I don't know enough Mm. and I just can't, I can't understand how overwhelming it would be for people that know less than me because it's so overwhelming for me Mm. and I know, like a pinhead, (laughs) (laughs) I know a little bit but I don't know much so I can imagine that this space is really, really overwhelming. Yeah, Yeah, and like I've spoken to one of my housemates about this at length and they've been kind of thinking about what she's a pastor Mm. and they've been thinking about what their engagement with I guess international development and missions and all that kind of space looks like and you can talk them through what to look for but at the end of the day like you kind of have to give to a cause that resonates with you and resonates with your heart and I think that um, we can get so hung up on are they doing the right thing that we forget to actually listen to what God is prompting us to do with our finances Mm. and so like if any, there's anybody out there considering giving to a cause but you don't want to be giving to the wrong thing like just pray about it like mm. god will stir in your heart whether or not he wants you to give to that cause yeah and just go and do it mm. yeah and giving to a bad cause until you find a better cause mm. is probably not the worst thing in the world yeah. either yeah yeah like giving is still a good thing yeah. even if people are misusing that and at the end of the day they will be held accountable for their actions Mm. and you will be blessed by yours. Like, I think, yeah, let's not overthink it. Just do the good things. Mm. So you mentioned that you are thinking about going back to studying to finish your Bachelor of International Development, which is very exciting. Um, Most people aren't going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) No, they are not. Yeah. Which is why I'll do it for you Yeah, putting putting it out there. Most people aren't going to do that. Yeah. So... 
what else are the things that you do do that fight justice in your everyday? Yeah. That other people can kind of, because like we said, it's about everyone doing a little bit more than they're currently doing Mm. and that makes a big change. So what are those little things that, like talk me through that. Yeah. I mean, it looks different for every single person, Mm. what your context is. Before I was lucky enough to be in the job that I'm in now, I kind of wrestled with this a lot because I was like, I don't really, like, I'm working this corporate job, like, pretty much making landfill, Mm. which is what I, which destroyed me a little bit, but, you know, let's move on. (laughs) Um, Still haven't dealt with it. Moving on. (laughs) And so I was just constantly like, God, what do you want me to do? I feel like pursuing justice has to be, like, this whole big thing that Mm. takes up my whole life, but that's not at all true. Yeah. And... It can be something as little as reducing how much plastic you're using. It could be something as big as changing career. Um, When I was in the position that I was in at my last job, I was constantly trying to choose ethical suppliers over not ethical suppliers Mm. because, you know, kingdom of God says everyone's treated equally, you know, and so do our business systems reflect that? And am I choosing to go with a business that is ethical because that's what I believe? Mm. yeah, I think it just comes down to your small everyday choices. Are you choosing something that is going to empower the kingdom of heaven or are you going to choose something that is not going to empower the kingdom of heaven? How do people work that out? I think it comes a lot down to relationship with God and just being in tune with what he's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it also comes down to actually using your brain and reading your Bible mm. and doing some research. I think it's not going to be this easy thing that you're just going to like listen to a podcast one time and then mm-hmm. you're going to be like this world yeah. saving person mm. you need to actually go out and do some work and you need to read resources and mm-hmm. you need to work on building up those key relationships with god and with leaders and with other people to mm. actually see the kingdom of god come to earth yeah. yeah and i think part of it is that you need to realize how blessed we are mm. and see the flip side of that so you know, if you can't go on a missions trip, because obviously that does cost money and all those yeah. kind of things, but, like, go on YouTube. Yeah. And, like, I'm sure that there are, like, who are the people that do the 40-hour famine? Mm. Who, who, who runs that? World Vision. World Vision. Yeah, yeah they're massive. Yeah. Um, but, like, people like them mm. have YouTube videos where you can just kind of sit on the other side mm. and just kind of, like, see a snapshot of, like, what 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 we're talking about Mm. and because I think sometimes we read in the bible about you know the poor and the marginalized and the widow and the children and it's not sometimes people have a context that's so far away from that that they can't really imagine what that's talking about because majority of the time majority of the time we think widows are doing pretty good Mm. like they're okay but in those kind of contexts like in third world countries and in Jesus's times, they were not okay. So it's kind of, it's like those little things that just shift everything. Mm. Mm. There is, uh, this morning I was watching it again. Um, There's this really great TED talk by a guy called Elliot Costello, who's Tim Costello's son, Mm -hmm. um, called um, Listening Through Someone Else's Ears. Yeah. And he just talks about that whole process of actually listening to what people need Mm. and what their reality is. Yeah. And I think that that, actually speaks to a lot of the mistakes that aided and development organizations have made in the past and kind of touches on um i think called white savior complex that i've been yeah go for it quite deep in trying to understand and understand my role in Mm. and that is that as 
predominantly white people and as wealthier nations, we are going into these countries and we're saying, we know what's best. We've been educated. Yeah. We got this. We're going to save the world. Look what you need. You need this, exactly. this, 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 and this. Yeah. You're doing this wrong. You're doing that wrong. Mm. You're messed up because you put yourself in this position. Like, mm. that's the kind of culture that has existed. But um, I'm really encouraged to know that there is a generation of people who are coming through and who are recognizing that and mm. saying, actually, we're wrong. Yeah. We shouldn't have come in and we shouldn't have told you that you were doing things the wrong way. We shouldn't have told you what you needed. You now need to tell us what you need. Yeah. And let's empower you to go after those things. Mm. So one space that I am really excited about moving more into over time is to work with startups in developing countries, Mm -hmm. particularly in the tech space. Yeah. And I once heard this story of this guy who developed this iPhone app that had like an attachment to your phone where they could do remote ultrasounds. These things aren't like detailed, but they could go out to villages and they could detect a heartbeat. And from that heartbeat, they could determine what kind of level of care that person would yep. need. Yep. Life changing. This life changing thing mm. has come from a Ugandan guy who's just come up with this idea and developed it himself. Yeah. He knew the needs of his area, he had the skills to do it. Mm. And somebody just got alongside him and encouraged him to yeah. do that. And I think that that's what we need as we're moving forward in international development development and this justice space is to actually listen to the needs of people mm-hmm. from from what they know that they need they know how to do it let's just help them do that yeah and so for us to be doing justice we need to be totally humble we mm. need to take back that we're the saviors we know what we're doing and we just need to scrap it mm-hmm. and one thing that i love Elliot says in this video is that the power of listening will trump any international development degree mm. power of listening will trump any kind of qualification you can get. Yeah. You just need to listen to the needs of people. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think even... So, so we haven't been on a missions trip. Mm. Um, we're going to the Philippines to meet our Compassion Children, which is more a mission for our church because mm. they have the relationships with the churches there yeah. and they do the listening of what they need. And, um, and we just get to go along for the ride, but we get to have our eyes open. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. But we had a meeting to kind of prepare us about it. And something that I'm just like wrestling with in my brain is um, that whole white savior complex yeah. situation. And even like I was, um, I can't remember what situation it was in regards to, but I was having a conversation with the people that have gone there before. And um, I was, you know, saying about, it was something along the lines of trying to make them feel comfortable and just asking them and talking, having that mm. conversation with them. And they yeah. well, they just, like, said to me so bluntly, they're like, Renee, every time you ask something, the answer will be yes mm. because you are the white person coming yep. in and taking, taking air quotes, care yeah. of them. And I was just – I was – that really took me off guard of, like, well – how 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 like how do I go about that then yeah. by making sure they're comfortable and caring for them and it's literally just like not even asking the questions yeah. just letting them lead the way and yep. letting them lead the conversation and I think that makes us uncomfortable mm. because that means we have no power of control of where the conversation could go yeah mm. exactly yeah I, I was listening to someone talk the other day and they're like if you go on a missions trip and you say that you want to help them do something, then they'll be like, yeah, okay, let's do that. But if you actually ask them what they want to do instead mm. of just saying, should we do this, they're just going to want to spend time with you. Yeah. They're just going to want to tell you their story. And the most powerful thing that you can do is listen mm. and to be encouraging and to just be a support Yeah. because 
they're the ones doing the long-term work. They're the ones who understand their contacts, their contacts and everything that's going on. The most influential thing you can do is to just love on them. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think as well, just like being open to the fact that we could walk away more changed than they are. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Mm. Every time without it. <laughs> like every time I go back to Indo, I'm just always reminded that they don't need me. They don't care. Well, they care a bit. Yeah. They like seeing you. <laughs> they yeah. like seeing me. I mean, we've been friends for a while now, so that's nice. But at the end of the day, they don't need us. Mm. Like, they're probably going to do really well in their lives without us. And yeah. but we, we're going to be the ones that walk mm, away changed. And we get to yeah. walk alongside them. Mm. And that's what the kingdom of God is about. Yeah. It's like giving those marginalised people a step up. Yeah. But it's letting them choose which step, how they step, mm. where they step. And all of those things in between, and it's yeah. just kind of like providing what they need, or mm. like being an ear, being a yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there anything else that you just have burning in your heart with this like justice sphere that you just think people need to know? I think that people just need to be aware that it's not as overwhelming and as intimidating as it probably sounds. Mm. I mean. You can make it as complicated as you want it to be, but it can be as simple Cause, as Because it's complicated. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I mean, if you get into it, like I've gone into it and like my colleagues get into mm. it, it gets complicated and it gets overwhelming yeah. and we need to be reminded of those wins all the time. But pursuing justice can also be really simple. Mm. It can be really easy. And if you find yourself in a space where you can connect with like-minded people who are doing the same thing, mm. getting to do that journey with other people is really fun. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I would just encourage people to to consider what it would mean to pursue justice in your own life, yeah. in your own day-to-day decisions, in your career choices. Mm. What are you passionate about? What do you want to see change in the world? And what are you going to do about it? Mm. Yeah. First step is not as scary as it seems. Yeah. yeah. Because I don't think, I mean, your story and your journey is completely unique. Yeah. That, taking it right back to the start, when you said you were just a little girl who wanted to help people, mm. that's not unique. Mm. We... We all want to help people, mm. so just stop overthinking it, yeah. you know. And people around you want to help you help people. Yeah. Like, so, you know, talk to your friends. Yeah. If you want to sponsor someone and, you know, don't have the finances, go halfsies with someone, go thirdsies, yeah. you know, get a whole team together and do yeah. it together. Yeah. Um, it really... I think sometimes we definitely overthink it. Mm. If people have that burning desire of like, I have to do something now, because yep. sometimes <laughs> we're more likely to continue yep. a process of change if we do something actively mm. now. If people want to do something today before mm. they go to bed, whenever they're hearing this podcast, what can they do? <laughs> well, it depends on what they want to do, yeah, really. It does. You just <laughs> if, you want to stop, if you want to stop global trafficking, then I can recommend a few organisations mm. to connect with. Um yeah, I think I think it's just start researching. Mm-hmm. Read an article. Listen yeah. to a blog path, blog post. <laughs> Watch a YouTube video. Just yeah. start to investigate. Mm. Start to look at what it looks like for you to pursue that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. One of my favorite podcasts. Now I'm going to mm-hmm. do a sneaky little plug. Yeah, do it. Is um, the Justice Conference. Love it. We have a blog and a podcast. Okay. Um, the conference is also coming up in November 15 and 16 mm-hmm. in Melbourne, and I think that. It's a really great space to connect with people who are yeah. in this space or who want to be in this space. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for people to do that journey with, then there will definitely be people there. Yeah. And yeah. 
if you're just coming into this space, mm-hmm. these people will not judge you. No. <laughs> they will not look yep. and go, why are you not, you know, 10 years ahead in your justice journey yet? Yep. They will just want to be excited to encourage you. So yeah. it's not for, yeah. from my understanding, from what you've told me about it, it's not for those people that have been on this journey for 10 years. Yep. It, it's for everyone. Absolutely. The Justice Conference, I think, is a really great starting point, to be honest. Mm. Like, um, it kind of exists to connect that space between the church and justice and really like introductory stuff to justice and every kind of type of justice. We're mm. not just talking about international development. We're talking about Indigenous land rights or mm. environment or whatever. So, um, yeah, it's a really great starting point. Mm. Yeah. Can you tell me, mm-hmm. this is this is a little another little fact that you yeah. said along, how many times does it reference justice in the Bible? 2,100,000. No, no, that's definitely not a number. <laughs> 2,100. It's 2,100. Yeah. Which is a lot. It's a lot. I was actually meaning to research how many times it said reference love in the Bible to compare. I think it references more justice than it does love. I don't know. Don't hold me to it. I heard that number and I might need to do some research and I can like put it in the outro. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I saw the number and I was like, hmm, where does that sit on the scale of like love? Because we all talk about love. Yeah. Love thy neighbor, love patient kind all the about justice it really surprised me yeah i've been reading this one book recently by a guy called ken witzma Mm -hmm. um called pursuing justice yeah and he makes this really great reference to the church his church and he's like christians want to hold justice in one hand and god in the other and just keep them separate but what justice is well as christians we really need to join those two hands yeah and so yeah yeah and this could some yeah I'm just like oh this could be another can of worms but sometimes justice is fighting for physical needs yeah and spiritual needs later mm-hmm. like yeah yeah I was listening to um one of our partners talk the other day and they work in Mozambique mm-hmm. and they a community development organization so they've been meeting the basic human like humanitarian needs of the yeah. people in their area Basic, educa- basic education, sanitation, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. And over time, they've built such a great relationship with their communities that they work in that people start to ask questions about God. Yeah. And so while they're not a Christian evangelical organisation, they've built themselves this reputation and this rapport with the community that they can have those conversations with people. Yeah. And I think that I hear that so much in mm. development. I think that that's the way you got to go about helping people. you got to meet their physical needs and Mm. their immediate needs and actually build relationship with people before you come in with a, hey, do you want to get to know God? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, I'm too hungry to think about God. Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Awesome. Okay. Um, So as we close, Mm -hmm. have you got a resource for our listeners? (laughs) I've got so many resources. (laughs) Oh, you can can give more than one. Um, My resource is me and Dylan have been reading The Barefoot Investor. Yes. Mm. Good, I've just finished that. Yeah. Yep. Did Grandma give it to you too? <laughs> no. <laughs> grandma and Grandpa gave it to oh, us. Really? Yeah. Um, and I just never thought I would read a financial book, mm. but it was funny. It's a good one. I never thought financial books could yeah. be funny. Um, but, yeah, it's mm. – like, I'm pretty sure it's life-changing. Yeah. And really easy and practical. I know there's probably – controversial things about finances but for me and Dylan it like is a starting point for us to talk about things and um being in a relationship you both come 
like at it with different baggage around mm-hmm. finances and well my parents did this and my parents did this and yeah it's just helping us talk yeah. about it with and it's giving us I'm I'm rambling but it gives yeah. us language to talk yeah. about it in yeah. so that's good mm-hmm. what uh go ahead with your resources well, maybe I'll provide cool. you a list later on okay but the first one that I'm reading at the moment is called Pursuing Justice mm-hmm. by Ken Whitsmer. Um, and he has just been really been, been really good at providing like a framework of defining justice and then what justice looks like. Mm. He's actually one of the founders of the Justice Conference. Yep. So I have a lot of respect for him. Um, another book that I would highly recommend is When Helping Hurts. Mm-hmm. And that if you're thinking about the mission space or going on a missions trip or have been on a missions trip or just want to know more about development and some of the problems if you're a person read <laughs> if this you're book a person, please read this book i think if everybody read this book we would have less problems in the world yeah um so there's that one mm-hmm. and then uh another one of my favorite books which is a little bit controversial at the oh, moment we like controversy over here yes is called failed missionary oh by a girl called jamie wright is she saying she's the failed missionary yes love it so um which is so, so real and so mm. authentic Language is a little dicey, but I'm so into that that I don't care. Um, yeah, she's just been really good at putting into words some of those struggles that you see mm. and some of those, um, I guess, mistakes that we've made in the international development and mission space. Mm. Um, so, yeah, those three. Awesome. Thank you. No worries. Um, if people want to reach out to you mm-hmm. and ask you a question, because yep. I feel like we've like you said, it's yep. so easy, but it's also yep. so complex. So I feel like yep. we've just like skimmed. <laughs> we've hardly scratched the surface. Yeah, we haven't. We like, ha- mm. yeah, you did that pinhead that like, we've, like, like seen the surface and gone, nuts. too yeah. hard, let's yeah. keep going. <laughs> um, <laughs> if people want to reach out, yep. they can find you at the Justice Com- Conference, I'm yep, sure. They can. Um, have you got an Instagram that yep. people could? Just Elise Sarah. That's easy. simple. E-L-I-S-E-S-A-R-A-H. Perfect. You're so lucky to like get something so... Yeah, you should hear my phone number. It's really easy too. Yeah. <laughs> I won't tell it. To you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyway, thank cool. you. No thank you for thank talking you. to us. And I know you've probably opened a lot of people's eyes to just the need that's out there, but also empowered them that they're not alone. They can make a difference and jump on the bandwagon. Jump on the bandwagon that's already happening. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Awesome. Thank you. No Thank you so much for listening, guys. Do you love Elise as much as I love Elise? Probably not, but I'm sure you love her a little bit after that conversation. How could you not, right? She's great. Um, And more than that, she has really challenged me to open my eyes to ways that I can make those small changes like we talked about. And I think I need to get off my butt and do some research. That's the thing I'm taking away. And I think I might start with that TED Talk by Elliot Costello that she mentioned because I love a good TED Talk. Now, make sure you check out the Justice Conference on Instagram for all of the information so you guys can start planning to go. It's on the 15th to the 16th of November at the Exhibition Centre in Melbourne. So I have no doubt that it is going to be amazing. Thank you so much for listening. And I know you can find me at underscore she's Frank underscore on Instagram. And I hope you guys have the best day.